0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your
1: free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Final hour with Mike Florio kicking things off. Fist pump time on the Fan camp, Twitch, and YouTube. Thanks to Dave Hellman from FS1 joining us for an hour in studio here on Sean, RJ, and Bobby. This is your home of the Rangers and America's team pretty stunning headline in the 6 o'clock hour that came out. Michael Irvin has dropped the lawsuit he filed last month against the Marriott. Mm. Why would he drop the lawsuit? So I immediately started texting our good buddy Mike Florio, the attorney from profootballtalk.com, and he agreed to pop on with the legal explanation. Good morning, Mike. Why why is this happening?
3: Well, there were a bunch of different theories that, I had kicked around an item we posted earlier today at PFT, and one of them focused on the motion to dismiss that Marriott filed in the case that is now dismissed, arguing that Marriott doesn't own the hotel, that it licenses its brand to whoever owns and operates the Renaissance Hotel in Phoenix where all of this happened. And that seems to be what has gone on because, as you guys have surely seen by now, the case – I'm told has already been refiled in Arizona, so they know who to sue now. And it'll be whatever the name of the company is that runs that hotel that pays Marriott to license the brand. And I wouldn't be surprised if Marriott is a party under an argument that they negligently supervised the licensee, et cetera, et cetera. There's some Marriott policy that caused or contributed to this. Individual employees of the hotel probably also will be defendants. And this one, unless there's a question of federal law that's raised in in Irvin's complaint, this is one that will stay in Arizona State Court, and uh, they'll battle it out there and and see what transpires. But the key is they're going to have a press conference in a couple of hours, and they are going to play that surveillance video that Irvin and his lawyer were able to pry away from Marriott during the existence of the case in Texas.
1: Does this mean that the the sum that they're going after may change because it may not be under Marriott, which would theoretically be a bigger company?
3: Well, the sum that is put in a complaint is meaningless, frankly. You don't go to court and say, I want $100 million, and the jury decides yes or no, you get $100 million. There's an unlimited number that the jury can ultimately provide, and it's whatever the jury wants to give you, because a lot of the damages in a case like this aren't based on any mathematical calculation. It's your, your reputational damage, pain and suffering, mental anguish, all the different terms that lawyers will throw into a complaint, and basically you just hope a jury gets sufficiently pissed off at the defendant that they run away with a giant number. The hundred million is for the benefit of the media mm-hmm. to create greater attention. The number doesn't change. And really, in most jurisdictions, all that you have to do is say that you're seeking enough money in order to satisfy whatever the minimum is to get you into that court in the first place.
2: All right, so to simplify, this is not case drop, settlement reach, everything over. We're just moving this officially to Arizona with the video being shown in two hours today.
3: Exactly. I mean, my first thought when I saw it was dismissed was, well, they settled it because that's what you would do if you settle it. But then when the press conference notice went out, it's like, well, this isn't over yet, unless one of the terms of settlement is we're going to play this video anyway. And Michael Gelkin of the Morning News told me that the dismissal was without prejudice, which is key. If it's settled, it's with prejudice, it's over, it's done. If it's without prejudice, that means you can refile it, which they've already done, And and now – they focus on – just, and this is a smart way to go. You focus on the company that runs the hotel. And the reason they have to go to Arizona, my guess is this is a company that only operates in Arizona. It doesn't have ties to Texas. So you can sue Marriott in pretty much any state in the country because Marriott is present in every state in the country. This company that, that owns and operates the Phoenix Renaissance, my guess would be, has no ties of any kind to Texas – preventing Irvin from suing them there. He has to go to them in Arizona.
2: Mike, does this still feel to you that Michael Irvin is in the driver's seat with this case?
3: Well, to the extent that we were led to believe that there was something on this video that was a smoking gun and it would tell the whole story and Marriott dug in their heels and refused to give it up and then ultimately pissed off the judge by defying his order, as to the terms of disclosing the video. I mean, anytime someone acts like they have something to hide, it makes me think they have something to hide mm-hmm. and they're concerned about what's on there. The the story that was told in the the filing from last Friday about the interaction between Irvin and the accuser, okay, we have something tangible now that Marriott put on the table. They've disclosed some of their cards. It just raises more questions. How many different times was this version told? How many different versions were told, what was told to the NFL. And I perked up, and I I think, Sean, I I texted you about this when I saw that Marriott claimed the NFL actually got involved and interviewed the employee directly and saw the video before making the decision to remove Michael Irvin from the airwaves. So there's a hell of a story here to be told. And there's a lot that needs to be tested by cross-examination and scrutiny. So uh, we know what Marriott claims, but just the fact that they were so resistant and reluctant to put any cards on the table makes me wonder how strong of a story it's going to be. And I also wonder how far up the ladder this goes within the NFL and whether at some point the NFL is going to be in a jackpot over all of this.
2: Mike Florio, com, Also, the new novel out April 25th. You can pre order it now, Father of Mine. It is a mob book for only 4 99 Florio here on the diamond factory hotline. So do you think Mike has grounds to go after NFL network ESPN? If they kept him off TV for
3: this? Well, yes, because it adds to the perception that he did something bad. Yeah. Right. Whatever he supposedly did. If you remove the guy from the airwaves, you're telling the world that this guy did something bad. And, It's dangerous ground for Michael Irvin because he's working for NFL Network. I mean, you create at a minimum an awkward work experience for yourself if you sue your employer. And, you know, we've we've seen that come up in the context of folks like Colin Kaepernick. You become persona non grata and people don't want to deal with you, even though Michael Irvin would be fully within his rights, just like a Brian Flores. He's gainfully employed by the Vikings right now, and he has a viable lawsuit against the NFL and multiple teams. If that's something Irvin would want to do, I think a lot of it depends upon what they learn. And I think they're still just early on finding out how deep this rabbit hole goes. And it's got to make the NFL nervous that they're already being kind of pulled into this and their process is being exposed. And they're going to have executives who get asked tough questions by Irvin's lawyers or Marriott's lawyers as they try to piece this thing together. And the separate question you mentioned ESPN. Somebody said something to ESPN to get Michael Irvin removed from First Take that week, which just adds to the perception he must have done something really bad. So yeah, just a lot of questions to answer. This is one that yeah you know, I don't I don't miss practicing law because it's a grind and it's difficult and you're fighting all the time and a lot of times you know you're just you're you're, you're dodging every possible attack and every angle and everything they can throw at you. This one would be fun from the standpoint of figuring out who said what to whom and when and how many different stories are out there and who made the big decisions.
1: Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, to us here at 105 Through the Fan. I, I hate the story. I wish both parties would just go away. But Rodgers, Jets, <laughs> Packers, trade, what, where are we with this? When is something going to happen?
3: Well, you know, as of yesterday, Trey Wingo dropped the bombshell that the deal is done, that he's going to the Jets. Now, what I had heard when I started poking around is it's not done, but he's come to terms with the fact that he's going to the Jets and he was actively involved in recruiting Packers players who are available to sign with other teams to come join him with the Jets. Otherwise, it's all quiet. I've heard that maybe the Packers are waiting – and deciding on whether or not to agree to the final terms. You know, both sides have leverage here. The Jets have leverage over the Packers because the Packers cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube now, not after the things the team CEO Mark Murphy said last Friday. The Packers have leverage over the Jets because what the hell else are the Jets going to do? Derek Carr is gone. Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. How do they placate their fan base if they don't land the plane with Aaron Rodgers? They just need to work all this out, and it's got to be done by tomorrow at 4 o'clock because Rogers has a massive cap number for 2023 that needs to be dealt with. There's an option bonus that needs to be exercised to knock that thing down to something manageable, so they need to get him uh, traded Wednesday right after 4 o'clock, and then the Jets need to exercise the option bonus. They get a manageable cap number, and everybody moves forward, and I, I suspect that we're going to hear something today or tomorrow i at a certain point it, it becomes ridiculous and it's already kind of there it wouldn't surprise me if roger doesn't pop on to pat mcafee's show today to tell the world that he's going to be at jet <laughs>
4: do you think the panthers have a good idea of what they want to do at the top of the draft or, or did they get there and now they're kind of standing around going well what, what, what's the next move what it is what is it exactly that we want to do here at the top of the draft
3: Well, I think there's a reason why C.J. Stroud quickly became the betting favorite to be the first overall pick in the draft. He was third behind Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson, and then boom, all of a sudden it's minus 300 C.J. Stroud. That seems to be the guy that the Panthers would take if they stay there. Do they get cute and move down to two with the Texans or four with the Colts and just accept that we'll be happy with whoever's left over? That's kind of what the 49ers did when they moved up to number three two years ago. They, they 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 didn't know who they wanted out of the guys they knew who would be left. They were making the bet that Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson would be gone, and then we get our pick of the guys who were left. And right now the Panthers get their pick of, of anyone they want, and there there is a chance, and they've, they've put out the word to multiple reporters. So I think that's their way of getting people accustomed to the possibility that they will – they will potentially move down if they become comfortable that multiple guys will work out. But look look at any draft over the past 20 years. And you probably can go back farther than that. First-round quarterbacks, bust rate right around 50%, maybe a little bit lower than that. Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't get cute. I wouldn't play games. I'd make my assessment as to which of these guys is going to be a franchise quarterback, and I'd go get it done. But I'd go back to 2018. Baker Mayfield won, Sam Darnold three Josh Allen seven Josh Rosen 10 are, are you kidding me one out of the four guys panned out and he was the third guy taken
2: what else surprised you yesterday and what do you think is there something you're keeping an eye on today we know the Rogers deal we know about Garoppolo something else that caught you off guard yesterday or you think could catch uh, others off guard
3: Well, I was surprised Garoppolo went as quickly as he did to the Raiders. When you look at the deal, though, it leaves the door open for the Raiders to draft a quarterback and put Jimmy G in the position he was in two years ago when he's the starter. But there's a guy that is behind him that is going to take over at some point. I was surprised the 49ers went as aggressively as they did after Javon Hargrave, especially when they've got to pay Nick Bosa a ton of money. I think Sam Darnold is a fascinating option there at quarterback if Brock Purdy and Trey Lance aren't ready to go. And the Mike White move to Miami, they need a durable backup. And when White has played, he's gotten banged up. But, you know, that's a team that feels like they're the F-them-picks equivalent of the Rams from a couple of years ago. But they need Tuatonga Tonga-Vailoa to play, and they need a reliable backup. And I love Mike White as a player. And, man, if he gets on the field, you may have a clash between the Mike F and White crowd and the Tuanon crowd. But I I just – I thought that that they'd go elsewhere (laughs) – at backup, somebody that they could count on to come in and play and, and not get banged up the way we saw Teddy Bridgewater get banged up pretty much every time he had a chance to come in and play for Tua.
2: Well, we can promise you you're not going to be writing any major cowboy headlines now the free agency has started. <laughs> two weeks. Uh, so you can keep it all about Michael Irvin coming from Texas. That's it.
3: Or, or Arizona as the case now is. That's
2: right. Thank you Arizona
3: for that. through Texas. But, yeah, it, it really is a fascinating story, and I'm glad you guys are covering it so aggressively. I mean, because if, if – if and, look, I I understand. And we have a bias. We have an
2: admitted bias. We have right. Mike Listen, on look, every look,
3: week. Look, look, accusations need to be taken seriously. But there's something about this, the way Marriott's handled it. They pissed the judge off with the way they've handled it. There's something about the way they've handled it that I think makes us wonder – What's really going on here? And did this thing take on a life of its own? And did somebody have a bias against Michael Urban or did they overreact because of Urban's history or whatever the case may be? But there's something about this one that hasn't felt right from the get go.
2: Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com with the legal breakdown, all the NFL news on the website, and the book available for pre order now, Father of Mine, for only $4.99. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Mike Florio, Diamond Factory Hotline. Did we see the next Jalen Brunson for the Mavericks last night? And why didn't the Rangers sign this Cy Young winner before he went to Japan? That's all next. Then crosstalk on the fan.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Meanwhile, during the break from Memphis, Hardy on a heater right now. There's Hardy being guarded by Dylan Brooks, navigating that Powell screen. Jackson Jr. contested, but boy, the 20-year-old with a nice float game.
2: That was some of the call from ESPN last night with Jeff Van Gundy as the analyst Jaden Hardy scores 16 in the first quarter, but the Mavs get destroyed in the third, and they lose again. Third straight loss, back-to-back losses to the Grizzlies, 104-88. to Meanwhile, your Dallas Stars are rolling again. They've won six of seven. Uh, Jason Robertson with another goal, uh, three power play goals for the team, and they win 5-2 over the Kraken. So back-to-back great wins for the start, 19 goals, in their last three games, after they put up ten against the Sabers, and the Mavericks fall to under five hundred for the first time since December. A couple of storylines from this one: Ja, Luca, Kyrie, and Christian Wood all no one's out. He's dying. As soon as <laughs> that's one of the storylines. As soon as Luca and Kyrie and Christian Wood were announced out, I was like, "All right, sweetheart, we're gonna get to watch something on TV. You pick what to watch." And then just to monitor anything crazy happening, Jaden Hardy picks up the Luka Doncic first quarter scoring. Luka leading the league in first quarter scoring, Kyrie leading in fourth, and Jaden Hardy steps in 16 points. That had everyone freaking out on Jason Kidd. Where has this been? Why hasn't this guy gotten more minutes? How do you justify it? Now, Jason Kidd may sit there and justify it by saying, did you see the rest of the game? Uh, he was 4-6 from three in the first quarter, scoring 16 points. And then the shooting percentage, you know, kind of fell off a cliff later on as he and Josh Green were the only ones to be in double figures. But Jaden Hardy became the first Mav rookie to score 15 or more in a quarter since Luka in 2018. he got back-to-back 20-point games. Where has this been? And it made me a little Jalen Brunson fearful. Not that Jaden Hardy's going to turn into Jalen Brunson, but in, in talking to Sandler a lot about Kyrie and Brunson and all the Mavs moves, Jared, who maybe is the most diehard sports fan in the entire building of all of us, of all the sports, his biggest problem was the Mavs didn't see that Brunson could become this. Sure. Now this unreasonable, I mean... It's hard for me to kill you, right? But you watch the guy every day in practice. You know, you know what he's capable of. Uh, you know, the, the New York Knicks thought that he was worth it. Now, the Knicks, they swing and miss on a lot of people. But it's still worrisome from an a talent eye and development standpoint that they didn't think Brunson could ever reach this level with New York. He's an all-star. He really is. And I'm worried about that in terms of Jaden Harden getting buried on this bench when this team isn't rolling deep with talent
4: we have some breaking cowboys news uh-oh
2: all right on a scale of 1 to 10 give me the number um 2 okay just just
4: that is a it's it's three. a re-signing of course it is Dante Always. Fowler no cowboys uh, according to Mike Garofalo, have agreed to a 3 year deal worth up to 24 million to re-sign safety Donovan Wilson okay oh. So, three for
2: twenty-four. The breaking news on the fan is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit betql.com today.
1: Three seconds do the math. Three for twenty-four is what?
2: Eight. There you go. That's- <laughs> Good lord! I'm not that bad. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. I use the easy tip calculator, but man, okay, does that surprise you?
4: Yes, because that's. I think that that was what I had heard they were apart. I heard they were they wanted eight cowboys were trying to do four. Four? Yep.
1: God, four. Oh my <laughs> lord.
4: I'm I'm surprised the gap closed because there was a gap in Indy.
2: Okay, so eight according to the rest of the market, looks like what? First two years fully guaranteed, thirteen and a half million. Uh like where's that put him? And and how do you think that is for his value? And uh. thanks to Kevin Gray, KG. Sending a ton of different stories this morning.
4: I, I think it. I think it's fair value. It puts him like middle of the pack, roughly, yeah. um, which is I, I think totally fair. The, the safety market, given what he does for you and the tone he sets on defense, he's one of their heart and soul type players on defense. That if they lost him, they would lose an edge, and him so and that's curse. that's huge.
2: Yeah, him and Jaron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and him, Micah.
4: him, Jaron, Micah, and Trayvon are are the are the tone setters for them on defense.
2: Okay. Uh, So, 28 years old, Donovan Wilson getting the three-year, $24 million extension with the Cowboys. So, good for him. I like that. Uh, I like that for Donovan Wilson. That is good news. That's a
4: six on a scale of one to ten. A six to seven.
2: Yeah. Six and a half. Yeah. We can settle six and a half. All right. Anyone else disturbed that, like, Jaden Hardy is... Capable of these types of scoring explosions as he's averaging 32 minutes a game for the month. We're only three games into the month of March. Otherwise, the minutes were 16, 12, and 8. Buried on the bench. I really don't understand what happened. I keep going back to this. The first game with Kyrie against the Clippers, when we saw him and Green and Hardy flying around, I don't understand how that left... Jason Kidd's memory. And I thought Bassick brought up a great point the other day. When he was watching, when he was remembering Jason Kidd's early days with the Mavs and in the league, like, Jason Kidd would do some things where you're like, where the hell is he throwing the basketball? And then he would make a pass that you've maybe never seen before. The, the room for rookie screw-ups was there. And it feels like he's got like a Carlisle-type leash. What Rick was known for with a lack of patience on some of the young guys, to me, I just go the opposite way. Where's my athleticism? Where's my explosion from anyone on this roster? Where's any other scoring help outside of the big two? And it's clearly with Josh Green and Jaden Hardy, but no. As Bassett was tweeting yesterday, Jason Kidd 10 days ago thought that Frankie Smokes was a better option than Jaden. And that's like, it's a bad talent evaluation. That's what I'm worried about.
1: That's me well, look. I mean, the talent evaluation. It, it, I wonder sometimes if it's easier to evaluate other people's talent than your own. Now, the thing with Hardy is, and I think he, I, I, I do believe he was incredibly hurt by by going to the G League out of high school. He was the second overall recruit. Yeah.
2: Second overall recruit
1: coming out of high school to college. To college. Number one was Chet Holmgren. Number four, number three was Amani Bates, who went to Memphis. Number four was Paolo Banchero. Jabari Smith was six. Um, like you had, I mean, there are guys up and down the top ten, um, you know, or, or, or the you know the lottery picks that all were in this top fifteen, except for Jaden Hardy, who decided to go to the G League, um, and I and then he was in, they got they got him in the second round. I wonder how much of his development was stunted by that. It's
4: possible. He was having to play a lot. Like when you go back and watch some of the highlights of when he played or you just even look at his stat lines, he was having to do the just hero ISO ball, like throw up 30 shots a game type of thing is what he was doing there in the G League. But to that point of the room to make mistakes, like you talked about, that kid was able to make those mistakes early on. I kind, of, I've always wondered, is that just a point guard mindset though in general? Like the the point guard already is so in control of everything on the offense. So kid, that being his background is just like, nobody do anything. I have to be in control of all of it. I have to make sure that everything's in place. And so if you're a screw up, I can't have you out here doing this or that. I think that may just be an extension of his playing mentality of just like, I am running the show. I am in control and you guys cannot f it up.
2: But then compare that to Bruce Bochi, who was on with KMC. He's like, I, I, I wasn't very How can I do this voice? Give Wrangler. Give me a give me a Marlboro Red and a <laughs> swing of all-black coffee. <laughs> to go like that. That's not at all.
4: That's Kenneth Kniff from Connecticut <laughs> off the M&M <laughs> m and That's the m M&M and more of a to <laughs> it. Kenneth but Kniff.
2: But was like, I'm a, I am ai was a bad player. I wasn't a good player. So when someone makes a mistake, I'm like, dude, I get it. I understand. And that's that great player syndrome that haunts a lot of NBA coaches and a lot of players in general. They don't have the patience for it. They can't understand it. Uh, so that was Basic's point. Meanwhile, uh, Trevor Bauer. Dude, they have they have successfully blackballed him, RJ. Yeah, they have. Out of Major League
1: Baseball. Trevor Bauer with a one-year deal in Japan. In Japan. Wow. Uh, he is going to sign with a Japanese baseball team uh, instead of signing with a Major League Baseball team. Uh, the Yokohama... Dina Bay stars of the Nippon Professional Baseball Organization. Love them. Yeah. Uh, the dealer's worth 400 million yen,
2: <laughs> which is
1: $3 million ish. <laughs> uh, so he was the Cy Young Award winner in 2020, 1.73 ERA. He's with the Dodgers in 2021, 2.59. And then he gets placed on administrative leave. I I, I absolutely. This like, is amazing. He's I, 32. I hope baseball's happy. I hope they are. Uh, you know, th- I hope teams cleared to keep him out. I hope he wins. I hope he I hope he sues him, and I hope he wins. I, I, like, it, this tells crazy. me his major
2: league career is over. Like, they're taking a year of his prime. He paid a long punishment. Other guys have been welcomed back for the same or worse.
1: Mike Clevenger spit tobacco juice in his infant's eye. Ugh. Or allegedly, according to his yeah, girlfriend. this okay. uh, Chapman... Uh did numerous, numerous things. Uh Domingo Herman uh slapped his girlfriend at CC Sabathia's party
2: in public. Wow. I wanted the Rangers to get in on this, unless he's just impossible in the clubhouse.
4: That's the thing. If you're if you're already you've got the stigma of what happened away from from the clubhouse, and then you're considered toxic you're considered a cancer in the clubhouse that just sounds like teams don't want to deal it like you're not worth the risk because you're such a pain
2: a lot of great players in sports are like that and they get welcomed in if you have enough talent chris beard
4: chris beard just got welcomed into old miss
2: all right let's cross talk with the kmc masterpiece next on the fan
1: picked up by Hardaway. Sidestep three, found his rhythm, and knocks it home, in a kiss to the crowd here at American Airlines Center.
2: Why are you doing this, Peyton? Were you spying on our commercial crosstalk? No, I wasn't. Bassic's fired up, baby. Well, Great we news. usually play a
1: highlight comeback to crosstalk, yeah. so I was, you know, trying to do my job. Well, we did it at 920. After
5: that handle. shot, did the EMTs go down to the court or go into the stands no. to, to resuscitate res, 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 no. somebody? No, because
4: nobody died.
5: Nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> great. Like, there's 82 games. We don't care about them as players or coaches, no so I don't know why we should care about them as players a radio station. I don't know why you should care about them as a fan. In fact, I would say if you're a season ticket holder and you're a new season ticket holder, I have a couple friends that got so excited about Luka last year, they bought into season tickets this year. I'd say Jason Kidd is telling you he doesn't care about these 82. The players don't care about the 82, so you shouldn't care about these 82. We've known that. we know the
1: players don't care about the 80, I think it's gotten
5: worse and yes. worse and worse because – I thought the play-in was a good idea. Now I know it's a horrible idea because now you're only eliminating 10 teams from the playoffs, which is bad. In fact, I thought baseball expanding playoffs to 12 teams was a good idea. Now I see why it is a bad idea. When If you expand it anymore, when you start telling the audience, we're not even going to play hard or try hard for the first half of the season, and then we'll worry about it after the All-Star break with approximately 25 games left, that's a bad product.
2: Tell them why you didn't
1: have a problem with kid post game. I mean, look, it's a perspective that sometimes you know if you have a lot of injuries, if you deal with injuries, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't, True. you know, you can't do that by the injury. Totally. Agree. If if you're undermanned, like what's Jason Kidd getting mad about? Like he's he's worried about effort at that point. All like all he can control from the non luka Kyrie Christian Wood is their effort. If they put forth the effort and they're an undermanned team, he can't really get upset that right. they lose.
5: Now, he's been, we've been told that Jason Kidd wants Christian Wood hurt. He wants him off of this team. So I, I don't think we can use – if the coaching staff and, and some of the players don't even want him on the team, I feel like they should have been better, not better without Luka and Kyrie, but they should have been better last night with Christian Wood sitting out because – The coaching staff and the players believe they're a better team if Christian Wood would just be released off of this team.
2: This is the entire post-game clip from Jason Kidd after they lost to the Grizz again. Just
4: just understand, our health, Uh, this is what we have. This is the cards we're dealt just like anybody in this league. we got to play with the cards that we had tonight. And we played uh, a good half of basketball uh, with a young backcourt that's learning how to play the NBA game. Um, and then just to put that in perspective against a very good defensive team, uh, and so just understand we, we're getting better. It's just a matter of, can we be healthy in time to make a stretch run, and if we're not, that's just the season. No one's dying.
2: Corey, did that outrage you?
4: Uh,
6: yeah, I mean that that line. Yeah, if right you would have there stopped, really there's about the last no sentence or two.
5: If you would have stopped before the last two sentences, that's, it would have been fine. That's no very Tony dying.
6: Romo. Uh, with the the whole like, hey, look, man, if this is the worst thing that happens to me, then I'm leading a pretty good life. And that's, yeah. that's irritating whenever, as Mike says, friends are out there pouring money into the franchise. Uh, you care passionately about what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. You feel like you're part of it as a fan. And that's the way that they want it to be. And so here you are. So, yeah, it's frustrating. But he's everything up to that moment is right. Like all the things right. he said up until that line. I think you could have left that one off.
5: Now, I will say this. I don't think Jason Kidd is a good enough coach to help role players be better. Uh, you made up your mind on Kidd as a Yeah, coach. I, I think – well, and here's the deal. Last year was great. I, I All the credit in the world. I'm with Choppy. You can't – I'm not going to blame him for everything here. There has been lack of effort. There's part of that. I thought Rick Carlisle didn't get good effort out of his team, and it was like, hey, well, everybody hated him. That's why they weren't trying their hardest. Well, this year – even like Dorian Finney-Smith, a, a try-hard guy. If you were watching, and I know most people weren't, if you watched the first 50 games, there were times like, even Dorian Finney-Smith, you had to question at times, does he want to play basketball today?
2: What you can do with a lot of NBA teams
5: nowadays. Right, right? but you can't really do it with Milwaukee. You can't really do it with Denver. But, I mean, to your point, yes, you can do it with a lot, but you're just like, man, is Jason Kidd a good enough coach to to improve players? And in Brooklyn, he wasn't. And in Milwaukee, he wasn't. And to get the team to play better. There's a motivating factor, I think, when a superstar is in your organization. And Jason Kidd's a superstar. He was a Hall of Famer, is a Hall of Famer, and was an unbelievably great point guard. But it wears off quickly. In the book written by uh, Jackie McMahon. McMullen. I McMullen, thank you. I read that book uh, about six months ago. Listened to it. And in it, Larry Bird, great coach for Indiana for three years. In it, when he wanted the job at Indiana, when he was like, I'm going to be a head coach, he told the owner, I'm only going to do it for three years. You have to understand this. I'm going to coach so hard. Mm. I'm going to have a plan. And he laid out his plan. He's like, nobody's ever done this in their whole life, is in the Pacers, a uh, guy who was interviewing Larry Bird. Donnie Walsh. Donnie Walsh. He said he laid out the plan from day one of training camp till the end of the playoffs. He already had his whole syllabus for every day. Then he said, this is what we're going to do every day. This is game day. This is this. This is this practice. This is what we're going to concentrate on in December. Oh. This is, and they're like, I've never seen. He came in and he's like, he already had every day laid out for the next seven months on what the program was going to be. But he said, I'm going to do this at a level that players will tune me out after three years. There's no way I'm going to get them to all keep right. doing this. And they were very successful. And he's like, please, we're so close to winning it all. Don't leave this. And he's like, I know my time is up. I know that I've pushed hard enough that they're going to start ignoring my pushing. Yeah. And so he was great, but he also knew if I stick around with the same group of guys, it's going to wear off. And this syllabus and how hard I'm pushing – is going to wear off. And I think Magic and Kidd and Isaiah and Steve Nash, it's a different game now, and you have to treat people differently. But I think Jason Kidd is just watching. And part of it is just watching in the NBA as a head coach. It's weird. Like, Calipari doesn't work in the NBA. You can't scream and yell throughout a 82-game season. But I think Jason Kidd has come to the point where he just literally watches a basketball
4: game. He told us that. He said that two weeks ago. He said, I'm watching just like you. I can't." He basically said, I can't control anything. I'm watching just like you guys. But
2: I'm trying to give him like a Phil Jackson zen pass. Like, hey, at, could, I, could I twist these things to say the first message was the players have to fix it ultimately. And then is he trying to say, look, you guys don't have to go out there and play. Like it's his issue is this. Death.
5: I hear what you're saying, Sean. His issue is this. Because his whole life from age, let's just say, 8 years old to 38 years old. He controlled the game of basketball mm-hmm. how? With the ball with his in his eyes. hands, yeah. right? This is where a little bit, like Larry Bird, if because we were like, Larry Bird was a point guard. I'm like, no, Dennis Johnson was the point guard. Yes, he handled the ball a lot. But I think people that are younger don't know what positions people play. Like, Steve Kerr is a point guard. No, he never played point guard in his life in the <laughs> NBA. When I think you control the game with the ball your whole life, and you're in con- total control, like Magic, Isaiah, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, they do feel helpless on the sidelines. Because they're like, I can't figure this out from here. I I know how it's supposed to work if I have the ball. Mm -hmm. Because I can see things in real time and I can make adjustments real time. And I think they get really frustrated that other guys like, how can you not see this right now? I can't coach it right now. You can only do it if you have the ball. And I think that's where point guards that are great point guards struggle to be coaches because they only know how to dictate the game through having the ball in their hands.
2: Corey, these guys think there's zero possibility that Jason Kidd loses his job for next year. I thought it was more 60 40 he could be gone what do you think
6: i'm i'm with these guys uh so i i, 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 I no don't chance zero percent i don't think mark cuban's willing to do that right now i mean he unless he has the savior uh which jason kidd says there's no savior so i don't think mark cuban's ready to make that move i mean rick carlisle was not great for many years and he was like what it was the phrase that mark cuban told us when you find somebody to run your company that does it well, you just let them do it. Now, obviously, that didn't work internally for some things there, but like that's, yeah, I think okay. that he'll let Jason Kidd run it for a while until Luka and him clash, and then he's going to lose to the star, and the stars is Luka. That's,
1: that's what I said. The only way that I think that he loses it this year is if Luka and, uh, and, and Kyrie. And Kyrie right. says, I'll come back if you get rid of Kidd, and right. Luka says, I, I want Kidd. And kid that right. ain't
5: happening. And he just won two playoff series. The Mavericks hadn't won a playoff series since the championship. So, so i got to give Kidd a little bit there, uh, a, a little bit of a leash there.
2: But if – so then – Aren't we saying that these press conference comments are a little overblown because if they were as serious as we're, we're, we're reacting to them, then Cuban would be like, why are you the coach? You, you don't care. You said it doesn't matter. It's not life or death. And you also are just watching. So we can't have it both. Right. Like if Cuban thought that was actually reality, then he can't be the coach. Or is are we just, like, taking it too late there, there, out of context? Here's what
6: I want to believe, and Mike won't let me, is that there is a world where Jason Kidd has had discussions that we ne- aren't privy to. That things he has a plan that we don't really know about, and some of these things that he says are very wild. This, He's this, saving
5: this. all his out-of-bounds plays for next year. That, he or it, or he, the playoffs. He yeah. decided, yeah. Yeah, or the plays, he decided, yeah. like, listen, side out-of-bounds doesn't matter in the regular season. We're going to have no plays. Nobody's dying. Yes, And nobody's dying on those plays in the regular season. And so. that's all
6: I want to believe is that during the playoffs, that there is a different mode that Jason Kidd wants his team to be in. But if he grinds like that all season, then his guys are just going to ignore it. And then whenever the playoffs come, maybe he has it. Now, That only services me until the playoffs happen or don't. And then I have to look at it and say, man, there's a bigger problem there. And Mark Cuban probably should have addressed this earlier. Otherwise, Mark Cuban had the plan given to him, and he's just waiting it out like the rest of us
2: right now. What else do you guys have coming up?
6: Man, the World Baseball Classic, Mike, is taking over my world right now. The stories that are coming out of this, the Rangers Rangers pitcher last night. Crying
2: on the mound.
6: Uh, Yeah, did you see that? The Rangers pitcher was crying on the mound last night. No,
2: but I see John Smoltz getting destroyed. Why? He's getting Rush. He, uh, All over Twitter. Yeah,
1: he's just, you know, he's like Romo. He was great when he first got in there, and then he just stopped trying. There were, I don't. Is he still doing these games from his house? Yeah, I don't know. He was, was th- for like an exorbitant amount of time. The, the beyond, difference with Smoltz is
4: when he, he retired get, the profession, he wasn't replaced by a better player. <laughs>
1: there we go.
5: He oh, wouldn't get he the shot, <laughs> and so they disallowed him to travel.
2: Well, Yankee fans are mad at him, saying he's a Yankee hater. Well, he kept bringing up
1: Aaron Judge last night for some reason, like criticizing him, and they're like, Judge isn't even playing. And then he's going in on analytics. He was saying that uh, the U.S. team, they're not hitting the ball because of, they don't have great exit velocity this game. They're just hitting it because of guile and grit and guts. And then somebody posted a screenshot of like the exit velocity was all like 110 it was like, John, like they're, they're mashing oh, okay. the baseball off Man. of this I did, A-ball pitcher.
5: I listened to Mike Trout's interview after the seven-inning game, and he said that, look, even I was pressing a little bit in that game against Mexico. Um, and I thought, like, I, I know that J- John Smoltz didn't say this, but I think a lot of it was last night, and obviously they got off to a big lead, is like, they were like, look, it's baseball. We got to calm down. And, and Jacob DeGrom, no, sorry, Max Scherzer talked about this, and I know we got to go, but. He just said, look, I don't want to do the World Baseball Classic because I can't get my arm ready for playoff baseball in March without throwing in games. And he's just like, if they move it back at some point, and I know that his career will be over by the time the next one comes around. But I do think he makes a point is it's very tough to get yourself like this is playoff World Series mode for these guys. And they haven't even played a game yet.
2: All right, uh, it's the KMC Masterpiece. Next on the fan, our thanks to Dave Hellman and Mike Florio. Michael Irvin Press Conference uh, is in one hour. These guys will have it covered. And tomorrow, another Dave Matthews ticket giveaway during the Expressway. Later.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.